0: Hey everyone, welcome. This is Lucas Granger, lead pastor of Coastal Church. It is our hope that you will find this podcast today challenging, inspiring, and practical as we seek to reach the world with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. The church looks just like the world. He says, "Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." Our church has been walking these past few months, the months in the beginning of the year, walking through the Old Testament, and we have seen how the Israelites have been on this total roller coaster of up and down. There are times when they're in in, in doing the things that God, they're being obedient to the things that God want them to do, and then there are times when they're being disobedient. We see that all throughout the Old Testament. Up and down, up and down, probably more times being disobedient than the times that they're being obedient. And the problem with that is that it looks exactly like us. There are times when we're obedient, there's times when we're disobedient, and God's trying to get our attention, and what he's saying all throughout the Old Testament, he's telling them, and we'll see this in Ezekiel 2, what he's trying to tell them in the Old Testament, he's saying, listen, do not look like your culture, because what the Israelites had decided to do was they had decided to also buy into the lies of the culture, and everybody else started building these idols, and the Israelites were worshipping being the idols as well. And God said, "What are you doing? You're my chosen people. I am the living God." But we just sang this song, "King forever." I am the king forever, and the Israelites kept giving themselves to over and then they would come back and then they would go. And it's just like us. How many times if we look back at our life and we see that same roller coaster thing happening in our life so the verse this morning is so we're not going to conform any longer to the pattern of this world let's not do what the israelites did let's not live like everybody else is living jesus says that we're to be holy and set apart but i'm not so sure that we've figured out what that looks like what do you believe that god can do Everything. well it's interesting because I've asked that same question for three weeks now I've gotten the same answer every single Sunday everything right well what does that mean <laughs> give me some specifics he can heal what, what do we see him do in the Bible what's that miracles, miracles. what else Do what? Deliver. Restore. Teach. says that He can move mountains, right? We see Him split the waters of the Red Sea. We see Him make the lame to walk and the blind to see. But do we actually believe that God can do everything? No, we don't. No, we don't. Listen, we are living in a time. I'm not mad, I promise. <laughs> we are living in a time where we have probably the most biblical knowledge or at least access to the most biblical knowledge that we've ever had. And the culture is not changing You see, we're, the church is being changed by the culture and not the church changing the culture. We got more Christian t-shirts than we've ever had. They are not making a difference. We got more bracelets. We got more sunglasses. We got more of everything Christian. And listen, the culture's not changing. And I believe the church is slipping into, listen, listen, listen. I believe the church is slipping into this complacent comfort zone where we're just okay with the way life is and we're just going to keep doing our thing till we come to the end of our life and then we're just going to hope that we get to see Jesus our next step. There's a guy by the name 1982. There's a guy who lived out in California. His name was Larry Walters and he went by the nickname Long chair Larry. Anybody heard of him? Probably hadn't. Long chair Larry. So long chair Larry used to sit out in his uh front yard in his lawn chair. Every day he'd go out and just sit in his lawn chair, and he just kind of got tired of that. He got tired of doing the same old thing over and over again. And he just became bored of it. So Lawn Chair Larry had this bright idea. Lawn Chair Larry went to the Army-Navy store, and he bought 75 weather balloons. He tied them to his lawn chair, tied his lawn chair into the back of his pickup truck, okay? He drove out to this one place, asked one of his friends to kind of cut the cord, okay? Now, Lawn Chair Larry had the 75 weather balloons. He had a peanut butter sandwich, he had a six-pack of beer, and he had a, a BB gun. And so long Larry tells, tells his friend to cut the cord. And long Larry, thinking that he would just leisurely float up into the air, um, and then once he kind of got up to where he was supposed to be, he would take the BB gun, and he would shoot out the balloons he needed to shoot, shoot, shoot out so that it would level him off not knowing that as soon as his friend cut the cord, he shot up like a rocket. <laughs> a few minutes later, LAX gets a, gets a radio call from a couple of planes and said, man, we don't know, but we think we just saw a guy in a lawn chair with some blues tied to it. <laughs> they sent in a rescue team. Well, they sent in a rescue team. They get Larry, they bring him down, and uh, Larry said that he hit about 2,000 feet. He said he was going up faster than he knew what to do. So the only thing he knew to to do was to open a beer (laughs) and drink it. At some point, he passed out, and so they rescued him, got him down, This reporter uh, caught up with Long Chair Larry and asked him and said, Larry, were you scared? Larry said, yes, I was scared. He said, "Um, would you do it again? And Long Chair Larry said, no, I would not do it again. Now, let me just tell you, that's the way we know that Long Chair Larry was not from North Carolina. Because if he was from North Carolina, he'd say, heck yeah, I'm doing it again. (laughs) Woo! Give me another six-pack. Here we go. (laughs) And then the reporter said, well, then why'd you do it? And Long Chair Larry said, I just got bored. He said, I got tired of sitting around doing nothing. See, I think the church has gotten bored. I think we've gotten bored. We've gotten complacent. We've gotten comfortable. And we just, we, we come and we do our thing. And, and we kind of go through the motions. But the other six and a half days of the week, we're not a whole lot different. And let me just tell you, let me just tell you. We have a generation that's a lot younger than me. And they're looking for the Spirit of God in the church because they don't want to just come and sit. And I believe probably if we're honest with each other, most of us in this room I would dare say probably believe, at least believe that same thing. But we're not sure how it fleshes out the other six and a half days of the week. We're not sure how God wants to use God, I get up and I brush my teeth and I go, through, I go to work and nobody at work likes me. And, you know, I don't even like the people I work with. I don't like my neighbors. Sometimes I don't even like the people I live with. <laughs> and we've just grown bored. And we've stopped believing in what God can really do in our lives. I have a... Um, This past year has probably been one of the hardest years I've ever had in my life. Um, Walked through some pretty um, difficult stuff in my extended family. And then just a few months ago, lost my dad. He passed away, 87 years old. Um, got some personal stuff going on in our family that really, to be honest with you, is none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized what happened is when things just seem to beat you down every single day, and you hear the same words every single day, and you feel like nothing's going to change what happens is you start to believe the lies of the enemy and you even start lying to yourself and the more and more that you say the same things and believe the same things over and over again you just settle into this place of unbelief and God had to get a hold of me by the neck because that's just the way he does me and he had to say what is it that you actually believe? About this situation. And how it's going to change in your life. You see because the problem is. You believe the lies of the culture. That it will never ever change. And I was reminded this morning. Guess what? He is king forever. He is king forever. So let's look at Ezek- Ezekiel chapter 37. Oh, let me just say this. Uh, 90% Of Christians have never shared their faith with anybody outside of their family. 90%. Okay? 20% of churches in the U.S. are growing. Only 1% of the church is actually growing by conversion, by people getting saved. You know what the other 19% is? Sheep swapping. Sheep swapping. It means they're leaving one church, they're getting mad at one church, and they're going to the next church. They're getting mad at that church, and they're going to the, another church. Now, I said that last week at my church, and I had some people get mad at me. And I don't know if they're leaving or not. And I'm not here. I hope you don't leave. Talk to Pastor Lucas. He'll make everything good, okay? I get that there are times when you have to leave. I, I totally get it, Okay. This is not one of those churches you need to leave. What if, listen, 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 what if in the next six months, this church grew by 100 people because of salvation? See, a week ago, God woke me up at 104 and he told me 100 people, Crosswinds church the next six months before we build we step into a brand new building. He said, Pastor Chris, I want to give you a hundred people. Are you ready for that? I said, I don't know, but I'll sure do my best to try. And I'm believing God for a hundred people. And what if he wants to do that in all four of our churches? You talk about you talk about changing a community, changing a county? You see, because a hundred First-time salvation. I'm not talking about people who gotten saved like 37 times, gone to the altar 27. I'm talking about first-time people. You know what first-time salvation does for a person, man? They, those people, they don't know that they're not supposed to share their faith. They just go do it. And they might, cut, they might use a curse word every now and then, but that's Okay. Because they're still growing in their faith. I had a buddy up in New York. You're like, Pastor Chris, get the scripture. I'll get there in just a minute. I had a buddy up in New York. And he was, he was reading. He, was, he, started, he got saved and started reading the scripture. He's reading about Noah. And he called me on the phone. And he said, what the H-E-L-L is this all about? You know what? I was thankful for that. Because that meant that the dude was in the Bible. You see... If we've been Christian for any sort of period of time, we kind of settle into this comfort zone. And we just kind of go through our emotions. And we just fall into complacency. That was my son. All right. Ezekiel chapter 37. Now, um, I realize that uh, Pastor Lucas re- reads out of the NLT. I had it written on my notes in the NIV. So I'm going to read it out of the NLT with my phone. Is that Okay. I mean, some people don't like it for the pastor to read out of their phone. But I have my paper Bible just in case you're one of those people. All right. Okay, Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1 says, The Lord took hold of me as I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with dry bones. Filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley. Okay, now here's what I want to encourage you. When you read the Scripture, put yourself in that situation. So we're, let's put, make ourselves Ezekiel. We're walking around this valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? See, that's, you know, God said, okay, Ezekiel, I know what you believe, but do you really believe it? Do you really believe that these bones, and I think God's saying the same thing to us, do we really believe that God can do anything? Because whatever the situation that you may find yourself in right now, he's asking you that same question. Do you really believe that God can do something in your situation? With your son, your daughter, your job situation, your financial situation, whatever it may be, your marriage, do you actually believe that God can do something? Do you believe that he can make these living people again? Man, that just tore me up. And then it said, "Oh, sovereign Lord, this is Ezekiel's reply, O sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to that. <laughs> that was the dumbest answer. Actually, it was the smartest. But here's my thought. Why didn't he answer it the way y'all answered it? Because Ezekiel's response, if he had answered it the way we answered it, he said, yes, you can do that. But what he said, you alone know. It's almost like, is there doubt in his mind? Like, well, I don't really know, but I know you know, right? That's one of the smartest things to do. If somebody asks you a question, you ask them a question back. Make them answer their own question. That's actually the way Jesus actually operated. If you read the Scripture. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. I love that. Listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and I am going to make you live again. I will put flesh and and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life then you will know that I am the Lord. See, God didn't, God didn't just do it. What he did is he said, Ezekiel, I want you to do it. I just want you to be obedient to what I'm telling you to do. I want you to speak my word into those dead bones. And I think God says the same thing to us. What if he wants us to speak life into the things that seem dead in our life? You see, we have to stop talking. Here's the church. Here's the church. We, we, we babble on and on about our problems. We have to stop talking about our problems and stop worrying about our problems. Anybody worry in here? If you've got teenagers, you worry. We've got to stop talking. We've got to stop worrying about the problems in our life. And we have to start living in God's promises. Amen. But do you believe it? He said, speak the word. So you know what I started doing to my problems? I started speaking the word over them because there's no better word. Because my words are insufficient, but God's words always are the best. So I spoke this message, obedience, right? Ezekiel's obedience. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise. There was a rattling noise. You want to know what would happen in Brunswick County if the churches started um, having this awakening in the Spirit of God and we started prophesying over our problems and started speaking life into our problems and into our work and into our boss and into our marriages and into our kids? There'll be a rattling. There'll be something that starts shaking the walls. Sunday so I spoke, there was a rattling noise and all across, all across the valley, not just in that place, all across the valley, the bones to each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. What if the church came together? Then as I watched muscles and flesh and formed over the bones and the skin formed covering their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak to a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me. And breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and they stood, up, they, stood upon, they stood up on their feet, a great army. You see, the church is not an audience, it's an army. That's a whole nother message. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones... Represent the people of Israel. They were once dead. But now they're alive. We were once dead, but no longer. Let's say no longer, God. Do we want to be a church that's dead, but we want to be alive. And I'm not talking, listen, listen, listen. I'm not talking about being alive in here. It's easy to be alive in here, Jack. They're saying we have become... We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. The church is bored. We just come. We go through our motions. We sing our songs. We raise our hands. We even read the Word of God maybe on a regular basis. But do we let it change us? Do we let it actually do what it's intended to do in our life? Do we let the Holy Spirit transform us because of that? That word, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what the sovereign, le- sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I will open your graves. I will open your graves. You will no longer be dead people. Of exile and I will cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And when this happens, not if, but when this happens, O oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. And that I will, in verse 14 he says, I will put my spirit in you and you will live again. Now, here's what I feel like God spoke to me out of that. There are some things in us that have to die so that God can do something new. You see, the biggest problem in the church is us. Every great revival, every great awakening that's ever happened in history has always started in the church and God's people coming to a place of repentance and surrender. And I want to ask you this morning, where are you? And what do you believe? Because what you believe determines what you do. Are you still dry, dead bones? Or are you allowing God to speak life, breathe life into you, so that your life makes an absolute difference? To the people around us. You see, because John 10.10 10 says this. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And at this point, he's kind of winning. Even in the church. Because, see, he, he does, he's not trying to make us bad people. He's trying to make us complacent, comfortable people. Because because for most of us, he already knows that he hasn't won the salvation issue. But if he can keep us from reaching anybody else, then he's won. He doesn't want a hundred more people to come to Christ in this church. He doesn't want one more person to come to Christ. He's actually trying to grab as many of you out of here as he possibly can. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. But I'm not so sure if we were to take a poll of everybody's life. If I I were to take your life, and we're going to put it up here on the screen. Would it be a true picture of the life that Jesus said, I want to give you? Like every single day, man, I'm walking in. The Spirit of God. Now, listen, it's really hard. Let's be honest. We can say, oh, man, yeah, that's what I want. Woo. And then Monday morning comes, right? And you got to get up and you got to work and you got to change baby's diapers and you got to put up with a boss that you don't even like. You, I mean, but every single day, we're going to take one more step and we're going to walk in the life that Jesus we're going to put some things in our life that we're going to let some things in us that need to die we're going to let them die and we're going to speak life into some of you need to go home today and you need to speak life into your marriage because from your perspective it's dead but from God's perspective it ain't dead Amen. some of you need to go home and you need to speak life into your teenage kids who have decided that they're going a whole to another direction And you've just given up. Ain't no giving up. Or your neighbor or your boss or whatever it is in your life, in your financial situation that you need to be speaking life into. And a lot of that starts by you dying to yourself. See, the problem is we try to put the bones back together ourselves. See, we're standing in the valley of dry bones, and we see all these bones, and we, we think God told us to put them back together. He said, no, I want you to speak the word, and then he's going to put them back together. But Ezekiel had to be obedient to what God told him to do. Or we choose to let our circumstances put us in that valley. You know what? A valley actually can be a pretty good place. And it's actually what God uses to bring. Because on the mountain, when we're like in a really good place in life, we, I'm not so sure we feel like we even need God. But when life stinks, then we go to desperation mode. And so let's live in the valley believing that God wants to do something great in us. So the next valley that you're in, believe God for something great. Speak his word. Find some scriptures. You know what? There are three things that God said in his word that are some of the great, greatest promises that he keeps reminding of us. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. But my question is, do we believe it? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That means that God's in every single one of your situations. He also says that he can move mountains. Do we believe that? Do we believe that he can change the situation that you're praying about? Because if you're going to believe that, then you've got to live in that. So let me ask you again. What does God want to do in you? What does He want to do through you? What does He want to do through His church? We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you would like to explore more resources just like this, take a moment and download the Coastal Church app. Also, if you would like to give financially to support the ministry here at Coastal, go to mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. God bless and have a wonderful week.